along that format, but we want to bring in something that maybe, maybe you know about, maybe you don't. And that is how angels help you financially. I don't know if you've ever heard any teaching along that line. We have a media table somewhere here, probably in the foyer. I have a book on angels called, uh, you know, Angels on Earth, They're Waiting on You. I encourage you to get it or get some of the DVDs or CDs, whatever materials the staff sent to help you understand the ministry of angels much more thoroughly than you presently do. And you know, the Lord had been dealing with me. I've been teaching on this for almost 30 years. Back in 1983, I was in the basement of a church praying, getting ready to do a seminar on angels. And uh, it was unexpected to me, but all of a sudden I had a vision. And of course, you know, I've been in the ministry now 33 years, and I don't know, probably had six visions that involved angels. So we don't have them every day, but we're not ashamed to talk about them either because it says something in the vision that's important for you to hear me say. And I had a vision. There was a whole multitude of angels came into that room wherever I went. I'm not sure where I was. You know, when you get over in the spirit like that, it's, it's hard to talk about because sometimes it's just a different dimension. But one of the angels stood forth and uh, they all seemed to be eager to me. That's the demeanor they had. Uh, they were ready to be released, I might say. Uh, they weren't wearing jogging clothes. I'm not trying to be funny, but they were just intense. Like we're just ready to be released into something. One of them stood forth and he spoke to me and he said, we're excited that you're teaching about us for we've desired to be involved in the body of Christ and they won't let us. Now, some may think, well, praise God, that's pretty exciting. It was pretty exciting, but I was left with a sense of uh, almost a disappointment and uh, overwhelming feeling that, my God, I got to tip this out to the body of Christ because here was these magnificent creatures. I'd had other experiences with angels prior to that, but this was one of the most notable ones. And they were standing there telling me they wanted to be involved with us. And they said the body of Christ won't let us. And so ever since that vision, 1983, I was teaching on angels prior to that, but that has been burned in my heart. And even just recently, I feel like, you know, sometimes I've taught about it all over the world and in my own church and other churches like today. And yet still the Lord just won't turn me loose about it. It's an assignment he's put on me to talk about this. And I don't know everything. I know some people jokingly call me the angel man. Well, I'm not the angel man, but I do know something about them. I know they're here today. I know they go to church when we go to church. I have scriptures for all this. I wouldn't be saying it. But I know that they're eager to be involved with you more than you've ever dreamed, more than you've ever imagined, no matter how much you think you might know already or what you've read and things like this. I've been studying this subject for over 30 years. There's about 300 references in the Bible to angels. That's more than almost any subject that I teach or your pastor would teach or any of us. I know my Bible. And some of the subjects I teach, they might have 30 scriptures and we can teach a pretty good series on it. But I'm talking 300 scriptures on this one subject. A hundred of those scriptures in your Bible indicate angels appeared to men and women in this planet. So this is pretty significant chunk of material. And of course, you know, I'm just going to go over some highlights with you today, but I want to center in at the end here about teaching you how you can release the angels assigned to you to help you financially. Because, you know, your church is in an area of... Um, we might call it need, continuing the vision. You know, we know that scripture, that great refrigerator scripture we all put up, our God shall supply. 
But we need to know how to get that need moved to us for that supply to get to us. And your pastor was telling me this is over and above offering like First Chronicles 29 teaches above your tithe and offering. So we know that it's a need for the church to continue the vision. Amen. Because, you know, if we if we don't help the church financially, that's a vote to shut it down. And I know that's not your heart to do that. It's not my heart to do that. Amen. So we bring our tithes, we give offerings, but then there's over above things we can do too. But that was going to mean that that's an extra need that's got to get its way to you. That supply is already here in the earth. God's not going to counterfeit it from heaven. So the supply is here, but we got to get that supply moving to us. And one of the ways we can do that is through the angelic help. And I'll show you that in just a minute. And also to begin to say the right things that release the angels to function. Now, again, my book says angels on earth are waiting on you. It's kind of a pun on words. You know what a pun is? You know, they're waiting on you like uh, they're waiting on you like a, like a good waiter, waiter or waitress would be. They come and wait on your table. They're not obnoxious, but they're there when you need them to refill your drink and to get instructions. And you know, if you, I've never been in a restaurant where somebody just came and stood there and I was silent and they were silent and they took off and brought exactly what I wanted. You know why that's true? Because they're waiting on me to tell them what I want. They're waiting on you. Of course, we're not talking about making up stuff. We're not talking about being, you know, weird and strange. And, and sometimes, you know, when you teach things like this, myself, I've taken a lot of shots from people that are ignorant and don't know anything, want to take a shot at me about something I've said or argue about the Bible. But I'm not here to fuss at anybody and argue with anybody. You know, I just know what I know and it's working for me and it can work for you. If we'll talk right and talk what the Bible says to say, then we'll get Bible results just like any other subject. Hallelujah. So you found Hebrews one by now for sure. Have you not? <laughs> okay. Let's look at verse 13 and 14 here and see what we're, where we're going to, we're going to launch from here. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. We know from this comment here that uh, the, that, that the Bible teaches that God didn't say that to the angels. He said that to Jesus Christ. But he goes on in verse 14, referring back to verse 13 about the angels. He said, are they, the angels, not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Notice that. Are they not all ministering spirits? I like to say it this way. All the angels have ministries. You know, when you were, you know, when we were all children smaller, you know, we had a lot of childish ideas, you know, about angels and stuff like that. And it's pretty pathetic how some have thought and believed. Of course, you know, Paul referred to that. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I understood like a child and I thought like a child. But when you grow up, you put away childish things. You know, when you're little and you see, you see cards that people make, Christian, supposedly Christian cards, and angels look like fat little preschoolers with beer bellies and curly hair. And none of them look like that. I've never seen any of them that weren't full grown, the ones I've seen. And I'm telling you, that's why you need to almost have huggies on if you're going to see one. Because they're massive, they're muscular, they're masculine, they're intimidating. You ever notice in the Bible when they appear, they always say, fear not. Uh, Brother and sister, they can get some things done. 
Now, I used to be a drug addict and a drug dealer and run with people that were bikers, and some of those guys are pretty bad. They're some bad people. But I, I'm telling you, those angels, <laughs> those guys seem like Mary Poppins after I had experience with angels. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they're all ministering spirits. And what I'm trying to show you is, you know, as a kid, you think they're up in, in heaven picking guitars and eating grapes. But this says they all have a ministry. I may know all of you have a ministry. You may not all be on the platform today. You may not all have fivefold ministry, but you're in ministry of helps. We've got people running. I see the cameras are running. I see people in the sound booth. I see the technology. You've got your film going, you know, your screens. Got ushers and offering takers. Got people watching kids today and whatever else is going on behind the scenes here. Got lights on. Somebody had to put those on today. Everybody has a ministry. Everybody has responsibility. They should have. Everybody should be plugged into the ministry of helps. And in the same way, all the angels have ministries that they're created to perform. They were created to perform. We might say it this way. I hope I won't throw you out too far. Just stay with me. We'll get in more scripture in just a minute. But they're kind of like spiritual machines. They have programs in them. They're not like us. They, they, don't, they don't have all that human emotion we have. They do have some emotion, the Bible teaches, but they're not like us. They're not human, but they're, they're created beings, created to help us. We see in this verse here, say, they've been sent forth to minister. Notice that, to minister. You know, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm ministering the word of God to you. And they've been sent forth to minister for them, not just to us, but What's the word? For us. Say for us. for us. Well, if somebody could minister for me, then that must mean they could minister to me, but they also could go somewhere and minister for me. You know, I pastor a church when I'm in town and of course, you know, oversee that's part of my, my job description, but I travel a lot as pastor said, and, but I have a staff, I have seven, eight people on staff with me and I will send them to go do something. I know recently my shredder didn't act right. And I said, I need to go take that back. That's not working right. And so somebody had to load that up and get in their vehicle and take it to the place we bought it and talk to them and bring me back a new one. They went somewhere for me because they work for me. And guess what? They didn't just automatically come in and jerk my shredder up and take it off without my words. See, I had to give them detail of what I wanted them to accomplish and then send them on that journey. I know that sometimes here's another thing that people think, well, if, you know, the angels are here, then how come this and how come that? Because a lot of people don't know how to get them working for them. And a lot of people don't know how to get them working, working at all. Sometimes maybe your angels might be down at the unemployment line. Either you're not saying the right things or you're saying the wrong things and they don't do the wrong things. When you say it's not working out, they're not going to go do that. But there's other ambassadors that'll do that of the devil. They'll listen to you, but hallelujah. Are you paying attention with me? Are you flowing with me? I'm talking about these ministering spirits. They all have ministries. They all have distinct Maybe I could say it this way, a job description. They don't all do the same thing. They don't all look alike. They don't all do, they all have different levels of anointings on them, just like people do. Hallelujah. But we're talking here about the angels today because this is important for us to understand that they want to be involved 
with us. Again, let's look at it again. It says, are they not all ministering spirits? Spirits. So we know the angels are spirits. Now, unless you had a dream, a spiritual dream, not, not a natural dream, a spiritual dream that God was endeavoring to get over to you or a vision. And there are different forms of visions. I'm not here to teach on these things. I'm just pointing something out. A dream, a vision, or you operate in discerning of spirits. Uh, and, and I do when, the, when I'm in the spirit, I have discerning of spirits. Sometimes evil spirits are on people or sometimes angelic spirits are here. You know, I will discern and see. But anyway, I don't do that constantly. But here's my point. A lot of people aren't going to have any of those three things, perhaps. But you don't have to see an angel to receive from an angel. How many are listening still with me? All right. Because we're going to go a little deeper here and we're going to shift gears. You've got them just laying a foundation. You know, somebody said, well, pastor, we got the Holy Ghost. Well, great. I do too. So did Philip in the book of Acts. But it says the angel said to him, didn't say the angel appeared to him. Let's get things straight from Scripture. <laughs> I'm not turning over there because I'm just going to mention this. But Acts 8 says the angel said to him, didn't say he appeared to him, said he said to Philip, go down there by that road, Gaza. And he got down there. Then the Holy Ghost within him said, join yourself to this chariot. Well, if he's a spirit filled guy and he was and spoke in tongues and he did and knew some word and he did, how come he needed an angel to talk to him? Same reason you and I might need angels to speak something to us even though we have the Holy Ghost within us. See, here's my point. The angels were involved all through this new covenant, even with spirit-filled, tongue-talking, demon-casting out, lay hands on the sick, healing people. Hallelujah. No, we're not worshiping angels. Like again, you don't have to see one to receive from one. Now notice these angels have been sent forth to minister for us. For them who shall be heirs of salvation. Let's go to the book of Acts, a book of Romans, rather, chapter 8, and look at a verse here. Romans 8. Because I, if I could figure out from scriptures who the heirs of salvation are, then we would know who these ministering spirits or angels have been sent forth to minister to and for. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm trying to condense some things today, but I want to leave enough deposit of the word in us that you can see that we're not just talking to be talking. Hallelujah. And we're going to get down into the, the prosperity part in a minute, but let's, let's look at here. Romans eight verse 16, the spirit itself or himself, we would read it, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. Now, notice that if we belong to Jesus and we're born again, then the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we do belong to him. We're his children. We're his sons and daughters. And if children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, remember back in Hebrews, it said that the, these are, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? At that time when that was being spoken, Hebrews 1, it's written out, but he was raising Jesus from the dead. The father was, but he mentioned the angels and said, these angels are sent forth to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. At that time, the only one was Jesus Christ. He was the firstborn from the dead. Amen. But all of us have been born again now that love Jesus and received him as our personal Lord and Savior. And so now we are the what? Heirs. Say, I'm an heir. 
So then you must be the one he's talking about in Hebrews that these angels have been sent forth to minister for us. We are the heirs of God. And not only that, I don't know if we caught this word joint heir with Jesus Christ. I don't have time today to take an hour. I teach a sermon called, you know, being a joint heir with Christ, our authority with angels. And by the way, angels are not in our, our class. We're higher than them. Hallelujah. Now, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, men were servants. Today, we're sons and daughters. And not only that, but we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're not sub-heirs, we're joint heirs. We need to take our authority seriously and the dominion that God has given us. That's a whole lesson. And I have a chapter in my book on that. You could get that and study that if you like. I'm just pointing out that we are the ones that he's mentioning there in Hebrews, according to Romans here, we're those heirs that have been the ones that the angels have been sent forth to minister for. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now let's, let's go back here to the book of Genesis a minute, chapter 28. I'm going to move ahead into something here that I think will help you. Uh, are you learning anything with me? Or maybe I'm reaffirming things you already know, but at least we're moving together. Here in Genesis 28, this began to uh, break clear on my spirit many years ago, probably close to 20, and maybe, maybe further back. But I began to see that all the angels don't live in heaven. That was startling when I first saw that. And I found this verse and I realized that. And I said, of course, being a person that, you know, like Brother Hagin, I'm reading his book here, I Believe in Vision. I'm going to read you a part of it in a minute before we're done today. Being a stickler, thinking I was a stickler for the word, I said, well, I found one verse that indicates something different to me. Now, you got any more like that? And he said, sure, I got plenty. And he gave me two more. Hallelujah. And sometimes if we're not careful, we, we, we're, we're not thinking straight about things. The Bible says in the mouth of two or more witnesses, let everything be established. But I'm going to show you three witnesses. I could show you more, but I'm going to show you three from your own Bible that indicates a large contingency of angels don't even live in heaven. They live here with me and you. I believe the Bible. You believe the Bible? All right. Now we're back under the old covenant now. Remember now we're, we're in the new covenant. So the new covenant, according to Hebrews, man, everybody ought to read Hebrews every day. Almost Hebrew. We're, we're in a better covenant with better promises. I'm not under that old covenant. You remember Jesus would later tell us in the gospel of Luke, he said, among those born of a woman, there's not a greater than John the Baptist. Now, brothers and sisters, that's some high cotton. Because since Adam, everybody else has been born of a woman. But Jesus would later go on to say in Luke 7, 28, but he that's born of God, he that is in the kingdom is greater than John. So, I mean, we could look at Moses and Jeremiah and Isaiah and all the rest of those Old Testament prophets and prophetesses and judges and kings, and they don't stand a chance like we do. I mean, my goodness, God Almighty, we're in the body of Christ. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I don't think we believe it yet, but by, praise God. We need to get a hold of that. So I'm going to read you something that's inferior to what we have. Yet it's going to prove a point that the angels were already here on the earth. Hallelujah. You know, I only got a certain amount of time today. Help me here. 
I'm not complaining. I'm just talking. I got, you know, I'm thinking way out here and I got to try to pull, you know, move us along together so we can think clearly. Hallelujah. I'm not making fun. I'm just talking to you though. I'm just a straight shooter. Just don't be offended at me. That's just me. I'm not going to change during this service. That's just me. You come tonight. That's just me. I'm just straight as an arrow about it. All right. Praise the Lord. Now I'm in Genesis 28. Let's look here. Jacob, you know, Jacob had this dream. We remember that Jacob's ladder, but Genesis 28, 12, and he dreamed, Jacob had a dream and behold, a ladder set up on the earth. Now you ought to underline that set up on the earth. It wasn't a rope thrown out from heaven. It wasn't some rope ladder thrown out of heaven that dangled down to the earth where a guy could get on that. It said the ladder was set up from the earth and went up. Now let's read on. And the top of it reached to heaven and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. I want you to notice the terminology here. Look at me a minute. Ascending and descending. I was just in Mexico the other day. You know, I've got a friend, a son down there, a spiritual son, pastors in Guadalajara. And, you know, I went down and came back because this is where I live. But when he comes up to see me, he comes up to Indiana. Then he goes back down to Guadalajara or as they say, Guadalajara. Because he lives there. He don't live in Indiana. Just like these angels. It said they were what? Ascending and descending. You know, in my mind, I would have thought prior to that they, they descended and ascended. Because we always think, I think people think, natural people think, and people that haven't studied this, they think all the angels are in heaven. Now, I'm not, I'm not taking issue with the fact there are angels in heaven. Don't misunderstand what I'm preaching here. But they don't all live there. <laughs> okay, so this is my first verse. Are you with me so far? All right, let's go to the Gospel of John. Let's go over here to the, something Jesus told us. And you know, I think Jesus would be good to receive from him. <laughs> of course I do. Everybody does. I know that. Hallelujah. But John chapter one, you know, he, he, he had, um, he, Jesus there, he had a vision, saw Nathaniel over there and different things. Um, and then he makes this comment though, in the gospel of John chapter one, verse 51, this is very interesting here. And a couple other things he says right here that we had maybe haven't seen before. And he said unto him, Verily, verily. Of course, we know that's a Hebrewism that means pay attention. I'm going to say something real important. I'm putting it in my paraphrase, but that's pretty close. I say unto you hereafter, I sh I sh uh, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. Wow. Same terminology. Jesus tells us the same terminology. These angels are already here with us. And he says, but now you marvel because he's talking to them. You marvel because I saw Nathaniel over there in another location and I told about it. But he said, you're going to see greater things than that. And heaven's going to open the world. The spirit's going to open for some. And we're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the son of man. Now he gives us another clue to identify with man. Not the son of God. We are sons of God, but son of man. In other words, Jesus, when he was in the earth, I don't know if you ever thought about this. And, you know, I didn't think about it either for a long time until I studied this subject. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. Well, let me, let me think about Jesus. Did he, did he even need these angels? Well, you know, the Bible says when he was in the wilderness, angels came and ministered unto him. 
Jesus didn't say, well, hey, I don't need you boys. Don't you know who I am? I'm son of God, virgin born. Leave me alone. He didn't say that. And it doesn't tell us how they ministered to him. I have some scriptural ideas. I know in Daniel, an angel could touch you and you could receive strength. I know also they could speak to you and you could get strength. I know also some of them brought some food to a prophet that was in the wilderness in the Old Testament after he had fasted. And the guy went in the strength of that 40 days and 40 nights. There ain't no GNC store on the planet can do that, brothers and sisters. So however those angels ministered to Jesus, it doesn't tell us, but it says there was more than one and they were with him in the wilderness. And when he was done doing what he was done doing, they were there to assist him and he received and welcomed and received of their ministry. Now, if Jesus needed it, I mean, who do you think you are that you don't? That's my point. If he needed their ministry and received it. So I, I thought of the two most critical times in his life when he would 40 days fasting and praying and dealing with the devil. They were right there. And they now he did that by himself. But immediately when that was over, they assisted and brought some form of assistance to him. And later in the Garden of Gethsemane, you all know your Bible, don't you? And, and he's out there praying. It says as he was praying like his blood was dropping off like big drops of water off of him. And an angel appeared to him in that situation, it says, and strength from heaven or the realm of the spirit and strengthened him. Strengthened him. Praise God. Do you realize angels can come and strengthen you? Well, I got the Holy Ghost. Well, so do I. And so did Jesus. <laughs> hey, come on, somebody. He was born of the Spirit. Hallelujah. But in other words, what I'm trying to show you is Jesus in his life, two most critical times when he needed some help, they were there to assist him and he didn't reject it. He didn't put them off like, hey, I'm, I'm a big boy. I don't need you. No, he took full advantage and this began to convince me that he valued and put a value on their help that they brought him. In another place, he said, you know, I could call 12 legions of these if I needed them. Of course, the only reason he didn't is he was going to die for you and I. But he knew he had access to them. Do you know you have access to them? I'm just asking that as a rhetorical question for you to think. Do you know you have access to the angels if you'll talk right according to the word of God? So we've had two witnesses now. We've seen Jesus and Jacob both confirming the angels were already here. Of course, I don't have time to get into the book of Psalms before, you know, man was even created on this planet. He already, the Bible says in the Hebrew, he already appointed and charged these angels and dispatched them to help his men and people on this planet. Of course, you know, Adam blew it in the beginning. And even at that, the cherubim came and kept him from getting back into the garden so he wouldn't live forever lost. There's a lot to be said about this subject. You can tell we got, we got a lot in it squirting out everywhere, but I'm trying to keep us focused here. Hang on to it. All right, let's look at Zechariah, the prophet. Zechariah in the Old Testament. I don't know if anybody was reading over there before you came to church, but <laughs> anyway, Zechariah. In the Old Testament, go to Malachi and take a left. You can find it. Go to Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. Or if you're Italian, Malachi. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and take a left and go to Zechariah chapter 1. Let's, I'm giving you three witnesses. I gave you 
what, the book of Genesis and now John and now Zechariah chapter 1. And let's begin in Zechariah 1, 7. Let me let you find that reference because we want to show you from your Bibles without doubt that what we're saying is all in the Bible. That these angels are here on the earth. Hallelujah. Zechariah 1, verse 7. This reminds me of Brother Hagin when he was, we'd be ta- he'd be talking. Upon the four and twentieth day of the eleventh month, which is the month Sebat, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord <laughs> unto Zechariah, the son of Barakai, the son of Edo, the prophet, saying. Doesn't that sound like Brother Hagin? Ten past eight on so-and-so Cottage Street in Nicenia, McKinney, Texas, in the left bedroom or something. I don't <laughs> Hallelujah. That's some of the prophets will function like that. I saw by night, verse eight, and behold, a man riding upon a red horse. And he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom. And behind him, there were red horses speckled in white. And I said, Lord, what are these? And the angel that talked with me said unto me, I will show thee what these be. And the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, these are they whom the Lord hath sent to walk to and fro through the earth. Notice that. These are they whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro where? Where? Through the earth. So here again, now the prophet is having a vision. He's talking to an angel. But these other angels here are on horseback, which the book of Psalms and other places confirm that angels, some of them ride horses and different things like that and so forth and so on. I haven't got time to run down every trail with you today, but I'm just trying to show you that again, and here's a third witness, that there are those whom the Lord has sent, and they're not human, to walk to and fro through the earth. They're here with us. I said they're here with us. Hallelujah. Now, let's, let's go here to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You still with me? I know we're running a lot of references. Don't get weary. Just stay with me or write them down or just listen to me if you'd rather and buy the tape later. Hallelujah. Buy the CD or however they do things around here. First Corinthians 4 and 9. Look over there with me. Let's get into the New Covenant a minute. How many know Corinthians is in the New Covenant? First <laughs> Corinthians 4 and 9. It says this, For I think that God has set forth us the apostles last, as it were, appointed to death. For we are. Now I wanted you to make a, a mental note of that. We are. We're not going to be. We weren't. Were. We are. We are, that's present tense, that's current. We are made a spectacle. And if you have a good Bible, you know, like mine and the footnote here, and of course I've looked it up in the Greek to make sure that they didn't make a mistake here because some people that translate Bibles, they don't do their good work. But the word there in the Greek for spectacle is theater. Theater. What do you do when you go to a theater? You know, you watch something and you listen. You listen and you look. You li- what are you doing today with me? You're listening and looking. You're, li- you're looking at me now, but you were looking at your Bible a minute ago. You're listening and looking. That's what you do in the theater. And he is telling us here that we are made a theater under the world and to angels and to men. Not only are men watching us, but there's invisible beings to the natural eye. Not unreal, just unseen. I'm going to give you a verse in just a minute that'll that'll show you clearly angels come to church with us. So they're here with us. Oh, they're excited that I'm teaching about them. Hallelujah. (laughs) They have ever since they originally told me that. 
Well, they were excited about people teaching about them before they ever came to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I don't see anything. Well, I don't either right now, but I know they're here because I know the Bible. I don't have to have, I walk by faith. Hallelujah. I might see some in a minute. I don't know, but that's not important whether I see or you see. It's important we believe. I had never seen the Holy Ghost either, but I know he's real. He's living in me. I see him in demonstration sometimes. I see him moving on people. I see the, I see the angels working on people sometimes. I was in Nevada a couple of years ago and, and I had a word of knowledge about a neck, a neck problem. Somebody had been in an accident and there was five people came. And the first four, I went ahead and ministered to them, but that wasn't the person I was looking for. Because a lot of times, you know, when you have a word, there'll be a, a bunch of people respond and all of them can get healed. But normally you're looking for a certain person that the spirit will, at least in my ministry, will quicken that to me. Not the other four could be healed too. And they were. But when I got to her, I said, you're the one, you're the one I'm looking for. And she said, well, I was in a car accident six months ago and I messed my neck up. And I said, yeah, you're the one. And I laid hands on her and she fell out. And the angel of God, one of the angels that work with me, let me rephrase that. He began to work on her right in front of all of us. I mean, it looked like she was going through some kind of treatment there. And I mean, she laid on the floor for about 40 minutes. I went on. I had several words of knowledge about other things came back. And, and I, all of a sudden I was in the spirit and I saw her. Her pelvis, her tailbone, her hips all being rotated and stuff. I saw her spine being straightened. She laid there for about 40 minutes, got up totally normal. I said to her, did you know your spine was out of adjustment and your hips and your pelvis and everything had been messed up in that car? No, I didn't. But she said, I could feel that angel working on me when I was laying there. But I couldn't get up. Yeah, he put her under anesthetic and straightened it all out. I had a guy in my church fall off a tractor trailer truck above the cab. You know, the ones that they carry cars on. As I, he said, it's about 12 or 15 feet. He fell straight down in a parking lot, broke both of his ankles, all the bones in his feet. Great big old strapping guy, bodybuilder, ex-drug addict, been shot, been stabbed. I mean, he's a, he's a mean person that back in his day. And... Uh, he, he saw my wife at a restaurant. He's out of church. You know, he came to church and tried to get his life together. And like so many, they just get offended or just drift away. Like it don't mean nothing, no value on it. So he gets hurt. Now God didn't hurt him. The devil hurt him and his ignorance hurt him. But he fell off this truck. My point being, he saw my wife at a restaurant and he comes over there like this. I mean, he can barely walk just scooting along because he's, he's about 250 solid muscle. He's a huge guy. His arms are as big as my thighs and just as about as hard as that. The ex-bodybuilder, tough guy, thinks, thought he was. And he comes over to my wife like this. And he, and, and he told her the story I just told you. And he said, I've been in rehab for two years. I'm, they're giving me this, you know, he's extra addict too, giving him some real medication. Boy, make you think you're in next week. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not play with it, codeine, with a little a Tylenol with codeine. You know, I mean, we're talking some real... Boots of Heine kicking medicine, baby. And he's been on it two years. He's really a pharmaceutical addict now. He's been in rehab and they haven't put Humpty Dumpty together at all. And he's, he's barely getting around. It took him five minutes to get to my wife's table. And so Diana, my wife, smartly said, well, you know, Pastor Michael's got an anointing for bones. For goodness sake, Larry, come back to church. Duh. Well, he showed up. 
eventually, and I'd be, I was, got up to preach one Sunday morning. He's about halfway back. And I said, Larry, come up here. God's going to heal you. Well, it took him, took him kept several minutes to get there. He's just scooting along, you know. I laid hands on him. He fell out. And I said to him, the angel working with me today is going to finish this. And I just went on. Everybody up in the front could see him. He's laid flat out. And this angel grabbed his leg, jerked it up, pulled it, turned the ankle, pulled it that way, and pulled it that way, and lifted it back, set it down, grabbed that other leg, worked on it, and let, just like he was in a rehab center. And when he got up, he walked back to his seat just like this. Is that the truth? Now, I told this story at Dr. Dufresne's meeting, and I got it mixed up. I got the right story. I just got the sequence wrong. So then he came back in a couple of weeks and he took a lap running on those feet. Then another couple of weeks he came back and I said, Larry, why don't you give your testimony? So he got up front, kind of like you had the guy on video, except he was up here for real. And he began to jump up and down on his feet. He, he was in a civil, you know, a suit, what do you call it, a lawsuit. And he told those people, I'm healed. And they said, no, you're not. The medical people say you're crippled. And he said, I'm not. Look at me. I can walk. Well, they gave him his million dollars anyway. Praise the Lord. <laughs> they go by the medical doctor. Well, whatever. <laughs> Humanity sometimes. A little strange. But this says the angels are watching us and mainly listening for our words. Because I want to give you a secret here. I figured this out after 20 years. Your words are the fuel that they run on. You know, people complaining about fuel prices. I wonder how many angels are standing down at the unemployment office. I wish that guy would say something I could do. I can't get anywhere. He won't give me no gas to run on. Everything he says, I can't do that. Everything she says, I can't do that. Hallelujah. I'm telling you some truth here. <laughs> All right. Praise the Lord. Let's go back to Daniel. I'm going to have to move this ahead a little quicker than I thought. So we may have to skip some things. Go buy my book. Hallelujah. I'm not here to sell you a book, but if you get it, you learn something. It'll help you. I can guarantee it'll feed your faith. And we'll give you chapter and verse for everything we say in there. But Daniel 10, let's look at this man, Daniel. Now, remember, we already mentioned earlier in the service that we're not even in Daniel's covenant. We're in the blood of Jesus covenant. We don't got to carry no lamb to the altar and we don't got to do no turtle dove stuff or nothing else. The blood of Jesus is superior. This is my point to anything they had under any covenant they ever had up until now. This is it. This is the, this is the best of the best of the covenants and it's an everlasting covenant. There's nothing going to be added to it. Hallelujah. But anyway, Daniel's having an experience here, and we won't read the whole thing. It's too lengthy. But verse 12 of Daniel 10, if you'd find that reference or write, make a note of it, and let me read it to you anyway. It says, then, he said, then said he, the angel said to Daniel, fear not, Daniel. Remember, I made the comment about the huggies. I mean, if an angel appears, and we, if you read around where the, he's, the angel came on the scene in chapter 10, it says he, Daniel would say, I don't have any breath left in me. I don't have any strength. Well, he passed out. He fell out. He fell down. Because this, this, this tremendous being was standing there communicating with him. And so the, the, the angel speaks to him and said, fear not, Daniel. 
For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before your God, thy words were heard. Now you ought to make a note of that. And then he says, and I am come for thy words. I remember years ago, 1520, maybe further back, I was in a Bible study teaching this and a lady came up after the service and wanted to argue about it. And I said, well, do you have a King James Bible or what kind you got? Yeah, I got one. I will. Would you open it to Daniel 10? So she opened it and I said, would you read out loud to me verse 12? And she read it and got to the last part. And the angel says, I am come for thy words. I said, lady, what don't you understand about that? Well, I just don't believe it. I said, well, then I'll have to leave you in your unbelief because you don't believe the Bible. It's not that you want to fight with me. I'm not going to fight with you. My days of fighting with people over the Bible's done. I'm not going to do that no more. I already know what I believe and it's working for me. Thank you. I don't know everything, but what I do know, I'm putting it to work. (laughs) And it's working. It's working. I didn't do what I do now when I didn't know this. I didn't go where I go now when I didn't know this. I didn't have what I have now when I didn't know this. The angel himself, I think we ought to take the one that's standing there, his confession of faith and what he said to the man of God. I don't think he'd lie about it. He said, I'm standing here talking to you because of what you said. Now people want to say, well, God sent him. Well, I don't care if God sent him or not. He's not standing there without Daniel's words. Daniel's words put him on the move. Daniel's words put this angel on the move. Your words put angels to work. Your, not my words will put my angels to work for me, but your words will put your angels to work for you. If you only knew every day you get up in the morning, they're talking to each other, she's up. Someday in Nashville, somewhere, one of your intersections about ready to have a crash at 8.15 and all of a sudden you got a hankering for a Starbucks coffee and a scone, brother. And you don't even eat scones. But you're compelled to turn into Starbucks and you're eight minutes late to that intersection. And tragedy has been averted. You believe that, Pastor? I sure do. And don't tamper with me either. Don't even tamper with me about it because I'm already convinced you're not going to take me any other direction. I am fully persuaded that they will protect you from every evil work if you'll believe in them and you say that you believe in them and you'll say you're delivered from every evil work. Bless God Almighty, you'll be delivered from every evil work. Yeah, well, my aunt, she said, now, you don't know what your aunt was saying when you weren't around. Get that straight. Don't be basing your theology, which is critical to you, over some relative or some other preacher. I don't care who it is. It might be your mate. Bless God, get in the Bible and say what it says. You determine you're not going to let anybody that's in fear talk you out of what you can have. Preaching real good, Pastor Charles. My goodness. I'm not even going to apologize for that. That's good. 
Let's go over here to Luke a minute, chapter 12. You got me wound up today, folks. I don't know if you meant to do it or did it just happen, but here I am. Gunpowder soup. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just wound up. Luke chapter 12. I'm trying to get to the prosperity part here, but I want to talk to you just for a minute or two more about this saying thing, the saying the word of God, not making things up, but find out what the Bible says and say that. And don't go back in Leviticus and try to say that. You just mess your brain up. If you want to study Leviticus to teach it as a course, that's wonderful. But don't go back there and start saying that. You're not even under that covenant. You're not even under Daniel's level of living. You're living over here a joint heir with Jesus Christ. My God. (laughs) You know, we got to start thinking like he thought. He said, you, one guy threatened him, you know what I could do to you? He said, you couldn't do anything to me. Not one single thing, buddy. You better get it straight. Unless it's been given to the, from the Father. Because I got angels that fight for me because I've lived righteous. I, what did he, he said, I fulfilled the law. And guess what? In him, you fulfilled the law. I know you don't believe it, some of you, but you did. Jesus paid it all. James Vernon had that much right. I didn't believe some of his teaching, but he had that old song, Jesus paid it all. Then he didn't teach it. You remember back to the Bible broadcast, some of you. God bless James Vernon McGee, but Jesus did pay it all. And I'm in him and you're in him. It's not all about you. It's about him and what he's given you as your inheritance. I think this choir's got it going on. They're excited back here with me. Come on, that's right. (laughs) I'm in Luke chapter 12. Praise the Lord. Verse 8 here says, And I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me. Well, who's me? Jesus. But who is Jesus? The Word. Remember John 1 and 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Remember the book of Revelation, Jesus said his name. You know, he's coming riding on a white horse. You remember that? And he had a banner with a vesture and he had a banner on it. says his name is called the word of God. So we could say it this way. Whosoever will confess the word of God before men, him shall the son of man. There it is again, pointing out something. He, the son of man will confess before the angels of God. But whoever denies me, he goes on to say. Well, I just don't believe you could really have that level of protection. Well, then you can't. You know, I, I watch the president and, and heads of state, you know, sometimes on TV, you know, Fox or one of them, you know, and you see these guys, they got their sunglasses talking into their cufflinks, their watch, their lapel. And they're responsible to keep this guy alive, whoever this person is or lady. And believe me, brothers and sisters, some of those guys would put you down in a second. They could drop you like a bad habit. <laughs> believe me, <laughs> these aren't play with it people. But here we got angels assigned to us. They're on assignment with us to make sure we don't get hurt. Isn't that what Psalm 91 says? Remember that? That not even your shoe gets 
scuffed up on a stone or something like that. He's given his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And whether it's Moses or whoever wrote it, you know, it doesn't even matter to me. I know it's the Bible, but I know that's Old Testament. So how much more <laughs> would that mean what we got? <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm showing you here that your words have an effect. The angels hearken to your words. Let's, let's look at Psalm 103. Some of you were here during the uh, <clears throat> Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy conference we just had, and I was uh, asked to share, and I shared some of this then. And, uh, but you know, let's hear it again. Remember the cornflakes commercial? Eat them again for the first time. Everybody remembers what cornflakes taste like, but you've got to eat them again to get the nutrients today or whatever you eat for breakfast. You know what I'm saying. That's Psalm 103. Let's look at this a minute. And, and I'll move from this on to about prosperity a minute. And I'm going to get to this here about this Brother Hagin's book, I Believe in Visions, in just a second. But it says here, Psalm 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Now, in doing some research years ago and studying this out, I began to see that the angels, they excel, or the real word is they're mighty in strength there in the Hebrew, that they do his commandments, or we might say under the new covenant, they do his word, and they hearken, which doesn't mean just listen, but they listen and do, they hearken unto the voice of his word. The word voice there in the Hebrew means to call aloud or to speak aloud. And the word words there, word, the word word, the last word in verse 20, that word means in the Hebrew, the spoken word. So we could read it this way. The angels hearken to the calling aloud of the spoken word. So I used that scripture just a minute ago. Stay with me because I'm going somewhere here in Psalms. But remember, I, I quoted 2 Timothy 4.18, the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and preserve me unto the heavenly kingdom, 2 Timothy 4.18. That scripture doesn't have a voice until you put one on it. None of the scriptures have a voice until you speak it out loud. When we say, Father, I thank you the angels have charge over me today to keep me safe from all injury, harm, and destruction. They encamp around about me to protect me today and garrison surround me. Hallelujah. See, when I say that, I put a voice to that. If you say it, you put a voice to that. So they, and the angels are listening that there'll be some word that they can operate on. You know, if you pour molasses down your car engine tank, you're going to be in trouble. Because it won't run on molasses. Unless it's a molasses run engine. But it's a fuel, if it's a gasoline engine, you'll tear up your engine and it won't run properly. And you can't speak contrary to scriptures and have the angels work for you. That's what I'm saying. <clears throat> so we got to govern our, our mouth and our vocabulary. Hallelujah. I'll move ahead now, but I, I just, I wanted to establish that. There's other scriptures we could have went to. I don't have time. Look at verse 21 here. Let's talk about this a minute. Verse 21, same, Psalm 103, verse 21. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his host. Now, when the word of God uses the word host, he's still talking about angelic beings. And uh, let, let me read it on. Let me read on. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his host, ye ministers of his, notice that, that do his pleasure. 
So this says to me, the angels and the heavenly host or the angelic host, they're going to do God's pleasure. Are you in agreement with that? Can you see it? Now let's turn back in the book of Psalms to Psalm 35. Psalm 35, verse 27. Psalm 35, verse 27. I'm going to just give you a little more scripture here and then we'll, uh, we're going to close here in a second. Psalm 35, verse 27. And I know somebody say, Pastor, do you got to go through all these scriptures? Well, I'm just trying to help everybody. I want to at least put enough, you know, scriptural, you know, things down so you could write it or listen or get the tape, like I said, whatever. So you could get that in you. Hallelujah. And uh, not that you don't have it in you, but you know, I've been teaching this for 30 years. I, like I said, I know a little something. And uh, it says here, verse 27, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say, now notice this, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Hallelujah. Now, what did that say over there in Psalm 103 that these hosts or angels, what did they do? They, they do his pleasure. And it says here that the Lord hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, I've looked up prosperity in the Hebrew, and I've looked it up in other languages, and you know what it means? Prosperity. (laughs) That's what it means. It means prosper. Now, look at this. Now, look at this. I don't know if you've seen this. He has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. You know, I want you to prosper today. I want you to get a hold of this. You're already prospering. I know everybody would say I'm prospering. I have abundance and no lack. My God meets my needs. Well, I say that too. But if I want anybody to prosper, it'd be my own family. (laughs) I mean, I'd like to help you too, but I mean, I really want to see my sons and daughters (laughs) excel. And you know what? This New Testament says we're not servants, we're sons. Here's my point. If he had pleasure in the prosperity of his servants, how much more would he have pleasure in us as his sons and daughters? Hallelujah. Learn to rightly divide in your thinking. You're not Old Testament. You're a new covenant. You're born again. You're born of the spirit. You were born of a woman or you wouldn't be here, but you're born of the spirit too now. You're sons and daughters of God. And now what First John says, I think it's chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now, not someday, now are we the sons of God. Now. I'm not waiting to get to heaven to get this. This is my inheritance right now. Remember that other verse we read a minute ago about being a theater? We are, not going to be, we are a theater to the angels right now. They're listening and looking. Hallelujah. So we're seeing that God wants to cause these angels to work in behalf of our prosperity. This is my point. We know from the book of Malachi, you know, I was teasing earlier about Italians, Malachi. The last book in the Old Testament said, your words have been stout against me. 
And, and they said, well, Lord, what did we say? And he said, well, you said it's vain to serve me. What profit has there been that we've done this? Tithes and offerings and things like that. But so where words are concerned, it's very imperative that we begin to say the angels are ministering for us in our prosperity to help us. Now, <clears throat> I know that you love your pastor and I know your pastor was a son and his wife a daughter to Brother Kenneth E. Hagin. And I was with, uh, <clears throat> I was with Brother Dr. Dufresne a while back at Pastor Webb's church, and he was talking about Brother Hagin's book, I Believe in Visions. And he said, you preachers need to go back and read it. Well, I've read it and read it and read it and read it. But since he said that, I'm a good student. I went and bought me a new copy and read it again, punched out holes and put it in this notebook and studied it again. Got to the very last two pages of the book. And I began to read what he says here. The, it's called The Angel's Message. You know, Brother e, Kenneth E. Hagin's book, I Believe in Visions. And he talks about, I don't know, seven or eight visions he had. And you get to the last two pages of the book. I mean, this is the very end. And he's talk, the last chapter is called The Angel's Message. And Jesus appeared to him and there was an angel standing to the side, you know. And he kept looking at the angel. And then Jesus and him were talking, Brother Hagin and Jesus. And finally... Uh, the Lord began to talk to him and I, Brother Hagin said, well, who is this and what's he doing here? He said, well, this is your angel. And then, of course, he went on to say, which I already knew this part. He said, well, when you grow up, your angel doesn't leave you. Of course, I knew that. You know, Jesus has a personal angel too, but he went to heaven, remember? And he didn't need him up there, so he sent him back to John to give him the book of Revelation. You remember that? He's talking to you here. Anyway, Jesus says now, um, and the angel delivered, has a message to deliver to you. And then the Lord said to him, now respond to him. Then I looked to the angel and asked, what is it you have to say to me? And he replied, I sent, I've been sent from the presence of God to tell you uh, to not let so-and-so, and he mentioned a certain man's name, duplicate your tapes, for he has ulterior motives. I am sent with this message to tell you in four months' time you'll have in your possession so many thousands of dollars. And he mentioned a certain amount, and you'll have enough to set up your own office and make your own tapes. Not only will you have this money in four months' time, now listen carefully, but other money will come. For my angels are at work now to cause the money to come. Brother Hagin said, what do you mean my angels? He said, I'm over a number of angels and I've got them working now. Now, Jesus just told him, you respond to this angel. And the angel talking to Brother Hagin, which was his personal angel, said, I have other angels working for me and they're under me. And they're gonna... Now, see, I knew that was true with the archangels, but I didn't know that was true with personal angels. I have other angels that assist me in the healing ministry besides my personal angel. Am I confusing you with me? But I believe in the man of God, the prophet of God, who had a ministry of integrity for 70 years. And, and I, I'd never seen that before. And he said, I'm over a number of angels, this personal angel assigned to Brother Hagin, and I've got them working now. Four months later, just like the angel said, I had the money he said I would have, and I was able to establish our office and do the work of God without being under bondage to anyone. This was a divinely granted appearance concerning my ministry. I have since learned to say, go ministering spirits and cause the needed money to come in in Jesus' name. 
Now, he has another book, and it's not this book, I don't think, where he talks about, I bind you, Satan, and command you to take your hands off my money. And then he says, I release the ministering spirits to go and cause the money to come. So what I would like to do with us in these closing moments, I don't know, we may minister to the sick or we may wait. I don't know. We'll just see here. I don't know yet. But uh, if you're serious about helping your pastor, now that he's mentioned before, this is over and above your tithe and offerings. Is that right? So this is a need for the church. This is not just you personally, but this is a need for your church, right? You can say amen. That's not a trick question. And if you're serious about it, I'd like you to stand to your feet with me. And I want to lead us in a prayer together to put our angels to work. Is what I'm trying to say here. Hallelujah. I want us to say this prayer. Give everybody a chance to stand that wants to stand. Look like pretty much everybody's standing. I mean, and I'm standing too. I, I want to help my man of God fulfill his vision. You know, Dr. Dufresne, my job as the son is to help him. My church's job is to help me. <laughs> Amen. That makes sense. Hallelujah. So let's say this together. If you could say this with me, Heavenly Father, I thank you first of all that I am your child. I am your son and daughter. I thank you. I'm a part of your family. I can receive of this wonderful inheritance, including the angels. And I ask you today, to help us as we believe and release our faith for extra money to come to us in the name of Jesus. Satan, I bind you. I command you. Take your hands off my money in the name of Jesus. Now angels, ministering spirits, I command you to go forth and create divine favor and speak to people and move in situations and cause money to come to me that I can put in to the work of the vision here at church in the name of Jesus. And I believe extra money is coming to me to help my pastors fulfill their dream to continue the vision. And I believe this supply is on the way in the name of Jesus. Now let's just thank him. Thank you, Father. Praise God. We praise you. We thank you. We love you. We give you praise and glory and honor in the name of Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Father. 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 Thank you, Father, for the ministering spirits that have been sent forth now to minister in behalf of the covenant for us, all of us. All of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've released our words of faith. We've released the angels of God. They're out there working in our behalf, speaking and moving situations around moving things to come to us in the name of Jesus. We thank you and praise you for it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 
Let's just thank Him of another moment or two. Bless Him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We are sons and daughters, and we thank you for, for the power and the anointing and the strength. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Maybe there's somebody here today. Let me do this first and then we'll see if I have anything I need, else I need. But is there somebody here today and you're not born again and you want to be? You want to be in the family. You've never done that before. You, you need to settle that. You need to know that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. Anybody like that, would you step out wherever you're at and come on down here if that's you? If that's you, would you come forward and let us pray with you? Let Pastor Cowan pray with you. Is the pastor here? Anybody at all that's here today, maybe a first time visitor, maybe a second or third time visitor, or maybe somebody you just know things are not right. You want to get right with God and make sure that's in order. You know, we don't have sometimes time to tell everything, but the Bible says a faithful man will abound with blessings. Well, I would think you'd need to be born again to operate in what I've just taught. And I would think you'd need to be committed to your local church. You know, my spiritual father, he always says this, your prosperity is tied to your pastor and the local church, period. I believe in TV preachers. Your pastor's on TV. I was on TV last year, but I don't take tithes from other people to support my ministry. They can give an offering. They can bless me. They can help me. You understand what I'm saying. But the tithe belongs in the local church. I'm a local church teamster, man. I'm for the local church. Glory be to God. I'm a local church guy. Thank you, Father. Every local church needs the help of God's people. You know, those sons and daughters that are in that house under their pastor, under their shepherd, or I call them spiritual father because I'm used to calling it that, but you might call them a pastor and they're, they're a pastor sure enough, but but there's spiritual father in operation in that local house where they're speaking into your life as a fatherly figure, a mentor, a leader, one you're looking to, one you're accountable to. I don't want to talk about what I'm preaching tonight. Well, I don't see anybody coming. I would like to minister to some folks here that have bone problems. Now, I want you to listen carefully. If you're here today and you have problems in your neck or your spine, or you have some kind of arthritic condition, maybe your knees or your wrist or something like that, uh, I want you to come and let me minister to you, lay my hands, and I'll transmit healing power to you. Would that be all right? Just come and line up real quick if you have problem with your bones. And while you're coming, I want to just say another word or two. I won't keep you beyond what we should keep people today. I, I'm aware of the time. There's a clock on the wall and I got one on my arm. But I'm anointed to help people that have bone problems. I've had a lot of people heal of scoliosis of the spine. I told about the young lady in Nevada. I get reports all the time. God straightened my spine. God put new parts in there. Different things like that. There's other things we operate in. But right now, this is a line for people with bone problems. Any kind of bone. If you have arthritis... You don't need to tell me unless I ask you anything. I'm not being rude. Just listen to me, though. I'm not going to pray for you. I'm just going to lay my hands. And when I do, that power will go into your body. You may feel something. You may not. I don't know. But the point is that you relieve, you, you believe, you receive that power. 
I was in, in Texas. Let me tell this and I'll quickly start down through here. I'll start over here, ushers, in just a minute. I was in Texas a couple years back and I, and I had a word about spines. It was five people came, five or six. And, and I'd made comment just like I did. That power will go into you. And if you won't turn it off, it'll keep working in you until it's done. Well, a lady told her pastor after the service, you know, Pastor Jacob said he was anointed. I didn't feel a thing. And she wasn't disgusted, but, you know, she, the pastor was telling me about it later. It sounded like it. But she said, I remembered he said, keep the switch of faith turned on. So she said, I went home, went to bed and said, I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard popping noises and it was my spine and said the Holy Ghost or an angel or something happened. And, and, and it's totally changed my spine and my hips and all the pain left. And I've been normal ever since. I saw her two years later and asked her, she emailed me the report, but I said, would you would you tell me the story personally again? And she told just what I said. She said, I remembered, he said, the anointing on his life that the heel bones would go into my body. I didn't feel anything when he laid hands on me, but I woke up, you know, she went home from that service and woke up two or three in the night and said, my spine was straightened, my hips were fixed, and I've been totally pain-free since. Hallelujah. So I'm not bringing attention to me. You know, I'm not the healer, but he's anointed me. You know, you, you all live here in Nashville or somewhere around here. And my pastor friend, Pastor Rogan, he'll be here tonight, Church on the Rock. Man, look at all the people with bone things. Uh, from Church on the Rock here in Nashville, I was teaching on endowments a while back. And he said some lady passed away here in this area and left Vanderbilt $200 million. This was several years ago, maybe seven or eight. But you know what? We have an endowment too for bones. That's what I'm trying to say. And when that takes place, you can do things you couldn't do without that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive your